This is Joanna DeCellis, editor of Club & Resort Chef. In this episode of Club & Resort Talks, we're chatting with James Satterwhite, executive pastry chef of Charlotte Country Club. Chef Satterwhite has played an important role in the club's COVID-19 response plan, while simultaneously pivoting his pastry strategy to better serve members during quarantine and beyond. Thanks for joining us today, Chef. How are you? I am doing very well. It is such a beautiful day outside. It's hard to imagine we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> How are things at Charlotte Country Club? How's it been for the past few months? It's been a roller coaster, and I don't see that ride stopping anytime soon, actually. We had our first emergency COVID meeting on Monday, March 16th. By Wednesday, we had closed the, at the restaurants and were doing to-go food. So that was March 17th, uh, 18th. And then it seems like ever, every week since then, things have changed. We tried to change the format. We had to make adjustments with menus, with staffing, um, and then plan for Easter and Mother's Day being closed. Trying to continue to figure out when we were going to reopen and what would that look like. So it's been quite a roller coaster. Yeah, I can imagine. What about from the pastry perspective? You know, a lot of clubs are doing the to-go and the the family meals and such. What have you done from a pastry perspective at Charlotte Country Club? There have been two things. From a non-food perspective, I'm one of the most experienced operational leaders in the club. I really had to kind of step in uh, more than I would normally do just to help with leadership roles. I was having to step in with format. What what should the step look like? What were the precautions that we needed to take? What are the risks to our operation? Things like that. Okay. How do we make, we created a catering company in two days, which is what the to-go operation is. So what did that look like? So what does it look like logistically, which is one of my stronger suits actually, is the logistics. So how did we organize the coolers? What were the processes and systems? Because of my experience with the Ritz-Carlton, I have the most training probably in that type of work, like creating a process A to B to yield a result. So I, I was very focused in the process part of it. What a helpful person to have around during this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I, I'm also very outspoken because I feel like in situations like this, it's very important that people speak forthrightly in what they think and don't hold back. Because then we never know people, if, if we don't create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable talking and speaking their minds and talking about fear, then that can create a lack of trust. And so I tried to just speak my mind and be inclusive and create that type of atmosphere as well. What were some of the biggest challenges during all of this? The biggest challenges were adjusting to the rapid pace of change. A continuing challenge is the open-endedness of it all. So we initially thought we might be doing this for a couple of weeks. You know, we couldn't imagine that we would be doing it at Easter in the beginning. And now we don't really know when it's going to end. So the conventional wisdom was that this should have died down in the heat as the warmer months came in. Well, we're not seeing that at all. We're seeing actually a rise. The more activity in the country, the rise in cases, hospitalizations, all the metrics. So that's concerning as we roll into what's going to be flu season. So what, is, what are the assumptions we need to make from a business perspective? What, what 
will things look like come October? Th these are open questions for everyone, I think. So what, what are your predictions? What are you doing to prepare the club to keep moving forward? We're, we're in discussions of it right now. We, we came to a couple of decisions. Um, one is that it's super important to keep a la carte continuously operating. So in case that there's some sort of COVID issue, we kind of, we've, well, we have, we've created A and B teams so that if one part of the operation has an issue, then we can carry on with the other part. We've instituted, even within that, very strict protocols for how do we interact with each other in terms of, you know, kitchens are much more like food processing plants than we are, you know, other venues because we, by nature, have to kind of work close together in confined spaces. So we've had to try to deal with that by keeping groups of people in like type of pods so that if you're only working with these group of people, you guys are okay to be, you know, together. But if someone else is in the walk-in, don't go in the walk-in. Wait till they come out, as an example. It's challenging. I can only imagine. Have you had any issues with COVID? We've not had, we've not had any issues, but it's a matter of time, I believe, before we, we, we could. And if we don't, it'll just be luck. Because we've seen just through increased activity, they're just, we're spreading the virus. And I mean, as a population, not, you know. Not as a club. <laughs> not as a club, but as a population. We're, we're, right, spreading, right. we're spreading the virus. And so, so to not take that into account, I think would be poor leadership and poor stewardship of the club. We have really focused on putting the highest priority on members. What does that look like? Um, that looks like a la carte. That looks like as banquets start to open up, member-focused banquets. Um, we're still defining that as we speak. I was working on a document this morning addressing what does that kind of look like as we, North Carolina, gets ready to move into phase three sometime in the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, and, and what is the, the best course? Because we, at our club, we were a very strong banqueting operation. But I just don't see that the future, at least as far as 2020 goes, banquets being anything like they were pre-pandemic. No, I think you're spot on there. Have you started to think how you would retool a banquet? I mean, as our buffets well, that's, gone, that's a big, what happens? <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all under discussion right now. And I don't believe anybody in the industry knows. My feeling is that we have to, I believe all banqueting's a risk. And so we have to figure out what's the proper risk in order to fulfill the member's needs the best. And so that's a tricky proposition. We have to, you know, what's the right balance between our risk? And when I say risk, it's being a stewardship to everything the club entrusts us to. Um, first of all, everybody's health, the staff, the member's health, but also financially. You know, banquets poses a lot of risk financially. You take a 400-person banquet, the day before you have a COVID issue and the banquet has to be canceled. That's a huge risk. So that has to be weighed and thought about and it's not easy decisions. 
I don't think anybody fully has an answer. I think we're going to just try to be learning and, you know, we want to be cautious because there's so much uncertainty, but yet we have to then make decisions the best we can given our information. It's very tough. Are you taking any banquets or has everything been canceled until further notice? Um, everything has been, we have things in the books months out, but right now we don't have any, we, we have everything canceled through June. We don't really have hardly anything in July, which would be normal. So we're looking, we're looking forward to the fall and what that would be. And figuring out what the format would be, we still don't know what the state of North Carolina would, would allow us to do. So that's a major factor. Now, your official title is executive pastry chef, right? So this is this goes a bit out of the scope of what you would do on a normal nine to five. If, but what Th this has, is <laughs> what has pastry been doing? Yes, what has pastry been doing? <laughs> when we first started, it was what can we do to go? You know, most of our a la carte dining was very based on composed, you know, modern uh, a la carte type desserts. So I had to translate that. So we had to go to a, a menu. We were doing a menu. We were doing two different menus, an a la carte, strictly a la carte menu, but we were also doing a take and bake family style menu. I had to kind of create a menu that would travel, that could be kind of sturdy and that I could do because I was for a long time, I was working by myself and I was working with very reduced staff. So I had to take that into consideration. So I started out making pies, homemade pies, for our family style. Cookies, brownies, homemade pies. A la carte, I was doing just cookies and brownies to begin. Then I evolved to pints of ice cream for a la carte, and I added pints of ice cream to the take and bake family style menu, and I added different cakes. And then I started doing a weekly menu to try to, because once you, you get going, you don't want to keep it fresh. Then I started trying to add enhancements. We started doing a marketplace. So I started trying to do kind of gourmet foods to prepare. So I started with two things. I started with granola, house-made granola, which we currently were making. And then I started making a pizza kit. And because the other kitchens were limited in staff, I started, I made, I did my own cheese. I did my own pizza sauce. And I, I figured it all out. As far as, I figured everything out as far as the packaging. And so we started with pizza kits. And then I kept adding items into the marketplace. So if people just wanted to buy certain desserts, gourmet cookies like macaroons, um, other like petite cookies, I started adding when I could. I then started adding breads, you know, like, and I had to do kind of easy breads I could make, you know, focaccias, things that didn't require a lot of, you know, that were more, kind of simple breads that could also be kind of more of a meal if somebody wanted to have a light snack kind of idea. So I, I thought focaccias would be a good answer to that since ciabatta. We added hamburger buns, how many house made hamburger buns when we were at, when I brought some more staff back. Now I started adding loaf cakes so people and some breakfast items. So that's been expanding and, and it's constantly expanding actually. At what um, point did I, you start to bring staff back? We started to bring staff back at the end of May. I had two key members that were senior chef to parties that stayed with me um, most of the time. They were gone for about two weeks. They've been with me through the whole time. Then I brought back two more members um, the end of May uh, or m maybe May 15th, May 18th. 
I'm not sure of the exact date. I have two staff members that don't quite feel comfortable coming back yet. Mm. So, so I'm working with about 60% of my team. Now you have, you run a really impressive pastry team and you set these goals for the group every year. How, how do you come up with those goals and what's kind of happening with them in relation to what you're currently facing? I went into, I went into this year with a slightly different mindset. So we did a very comprehensive goal setting. I, this is again, part of my Ritz Carlton training. Um, I trained with Lawrence McFadden. I trained with Xavier Solomon, Eric Bronger, Andrew Litherland, great chefs. And the company, the Ritz Carlton company is very focused on that type of work. So, and I used all of it. I used, I use a lot the four disciplines of execution from Franklin Covey that I was trained at with, a, I was trained in this technique with the Ritz. So I bring these principles. You said you have a different mindset. How do they, those principles shape I, what your mindset is this year? Going into this year, I'm 52 and I believe in rejuvenation. I believe in, in, in you have to keep rekindling your passion. And it's not that I lacked passion, but it's that I wanted to create uh, uh, an environment where uh, to regenerate. I'm highly suspicious that what you did yesterday is a good enough for tomorrow. I'm highly suspicious of this. I'm, I'm constantly re-examining. So as I was thinking about this year, I wanted to rededicate myself to what the craft, to the craft of pastry. I used Michelin star chefs as my guide, actually. So I, I used the type of chef that becomes an MOF as my guide, as my North Star. I, I dug deep and I, and I, and I realized that I want to have a career in the last, the last part of my career, I want to be as strong as the first part of my career. And so I really just decided that I wanted to really, really refocus myself this year. And as I started looking at that and thinking about, I thought about everyone that had trained me, all the people I knew, the people that were my models, Pierre May, Francois Collet, uh, Jean Bonchet, and it wasn't just pastry chefs, Sebastian Cannon, Jackie Pfeiffer, Olivier Baja, Norman Love, Fred Monty, Celine Plano, people I worked with, people that shaped me. Uh, I thought about that a lot. And I thought about their passion, their dedication, what they have given to the profession. And this was the seed of the idea. And as I kept thinking about it, I wanted it I thought it was worth it going to my team, taking my, bringing my team along in this journey. So I said, okay, if I want to rededicate myself to the craft of pastry, I have to define the craft of pastry. And so that was, that was the hardest part. I defined it by tradition, ingredients, technique, creation, and expression. And in thinking about it, and I looked outside of pastry, um, there's a guy named George uh, Fukushima, who is a, uh, or, I'm sorry, George Nakashima. He's a furniture designer. Uh, he's passed away, but he, he, he wrote a book called the, Art, uh, called the Art of the Tree. But my wife gave this to me because I'm a huge fan of his furniture. And I started thinking about the book and I started thinking about him and different craft people. And it's like, I think that you could define those, those lists tradition, uh, ingredients you could read as materials, 
um, technique, uh, creation and expression. These are for all crafts, not just pastry. It's for food, it's for jewelry, it's for pottery. And so that's how I, deci I decided to define out what it is. And what I wanted to create was in those guidelines, a mindset for my team. And so what I really wanted to true was to make my, our goals this year as a way to reignite this culture. And I believe that the culture is the culture of a Michelin three-star restaurant. That's how they think. And so this is how I wanted us to grow to think. And there were certainly specifics involved in all that, but it's more of teaching my team about what has come before us in pastry. What is the tradition of pastry? Gaston Lenote, Pierre May, uh, who are the founders of pastry? The, the great desserts, Saint-Honoré, Linzer tart, Sacre tart, um, Eclair. These things I think were so important to the foundation. How do, everybody needs to know them. And then the ingredients local ingredients, going to the market, creating our menu based on what is right there in front of us. I want to try to find a dairy because I make a huge, I have a huge ice cream program and that would really make a big effect. Um, then technique, this is something we all have control over, is constantly refining our technique. And I, and I personally am doing that. I'm constantly picking things to work on to make myself on the bench with my hands, my technique, and then have, and then focusing my team on their technique because we have total control on that every day we work. How do we work? Are we clean? Is every day like a competition? This is the mindset that I want us to get in because that's the mindset of a Michelin three star. Everything is important. And then creation, we decided in this pandemic, we were gonna just start making all the pizzas for the pool, snack bar. Now they bought the product, but I figured out exactly what we needed to do to make it. Um, how are we gonna make the process? And so we're making fresh pizzas for the pool now. That's an example of, of creating, um, create, we started making small batch artisanal jams that we're selling through the marketplace and using in our restaurant, but also selling and using fresh local produce. So this is an example of creation. Um, expression, now, we're in the pandemic and we were using to-go containers and things like that. Well, when we open back up fully, how do we provide to the members? I'm going to do these loaf cakes. I'm going to do individually wrapped things for our locker rooms. I'm going to do individual little cookie bundles at our front desk. I'm going to do individually wrapped breakfast sandwiches because that was a big thing we used to do for the men's locker room on the weekends. So there's always a way to work no matter the circumstances. And this is what we've been focusing on this year. With everything that has happened and with that mindset that you've now put, put out, how do you foresee the pastry program moving forward? How will it continue to evolve? Well, one of our goals pre-pandemic was to move to a weekly menu where we're really focused on fresh ingredients and trying to raise the level in terms of we're basically just making enough for right now. The pandemic has kind of helped that somewhat in that things change all the time. If there's issues getting product, we've had to adjust. We're just starting back our a la carte operation. So I'm trying to give everybody a little bit of a break and not change things too much. But basically keep things tighter. You know, sometimes we, we add complexity needlessly all throughout 
the operation. So I'm trying to strip, strip away the complexity and focus the most on what is the most important thing. Can you explain that? I do all the grocery shopping for my family. My, my, my daughter likes this one soup from Progresso. That's this chicken rotini soup. It was really funny. You could see the soups from Progresso that sold, and you could see the clearly the ones that nobody wanted. Everybody must love chicken rotini. It wasn't there for months. <laughs> but you could see that there were some soups that nobody wanted. And so I think as we move forward, not just in pastry, but we have to figure out what's really the essence. What is it that people want? Because we're all having to make priorities as we go through life. And so I'm trying to drill down deep to what is the essence that our membership wants and focus on giving that to the best of my ability and the best quality. What have you learned during this pandemic about yourself as a chef? And one of the things is I learned how appreciative I am and how lucky I was in my career for all the people that helped me. You know, I, I've always tried to be appreciative of people and to recognize the kindness of everyone that helped me. You could say that I feel that way now times a thousand. And so I've really learned to be more expressive of that appreciation and not just the people that helped me like above me, but my teams throughout the years. So I've spent a lot of time reaching out to people. I've learned more than anything else um, just how important it is to care about people. And we all know these things. We all talk about it. It's in books, but trust is so foundational to operating. And when you are in these kind of emergency crisis situations, you have to really have high levels of trust. And so as we move through, I want to build on all that. I want to build the trust between front of house, back of the house, people that maybe you didn't know, you didn't get along before because maybe you just didn't really know them being more generous in my thoughts, being, being, seeking to understand more other people's perspective. I guess that's a big one. And my, and I, and I knew this going in, but this whole crisis has really confirmed that the more energy and the more you can put into your team, focus you can put on your team, care about your team, love for your team, the better that is for them, for you, for the members, for everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Chef. I really appreciate it. Good luck as you continue forward down this path and uh, keep us posted as things evolve. It has been my pleasure. For more podcasts, check out our site, clubandresortchef.com.